Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McLean. Thanks for being with us. Yes, both myself, my co-host here. We are both financial advisors, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant. We spend our weekdays helping people like yourself, and we broadcast this program on the weekends. Hoping to be your financial advisor um, through the air and podcast through your AirPods yeah. or whatever we got going on. There. Well, when you say we broadcast, I we don't know what that means anymore. Terrestrial. We run on some stations, um, but. Um, we mostly podcast. Mostly podcast. Anyway, so and glad you're with us. Uh, we've got a good program. We'll take calls as usual. Talk about what's going on in the markets. And I, the Nasdaq is now in a bull market again. It's crazy. <laughs> and a bull market is just when the market rises twenty percent or more. They call it a bull. If it falls twenty percent or more, they call it a bear. Doesn't really mean anything, but it's just something that. But when I saw that headline this week, and obviously we watched the markets. We tell our clients to ignore the markets on a daily basis because there's literally there's been studies show that the more f- more frequent the, the correlation between the frequency of you checking your statements and your investments and investment performance there's a negative correlation. You think you might be doing yourself a favor, but you're not. Anyway, we're in the industry, kind of have to do this sort of stuff. Yes, and so this I don't know if it came it was happened on Wednesday or something of this last week. We hit, and I'm like. It's just amazing how fast things change. Yes. And you can't you can't predict these things. Who would have predicted a few weeks ago that the markets would have had this much recovery? Well, maybe we'll hit more lows again this year. I don't know. Yeah. Very well could. Well, you, you, you know, so I was thinking about exactly the same thing this morning. So I'm I'm going to a conference and they ask everyone going to the conference, what your prediction of what the markets will close at at the end of the year? And I thought to myself, this is an upcoming conference. Yeah. I hate those games. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to answer this question. I'm going to write in. It is ludicrous for any of us to believe that we know (laughs) (laughs) what the markets will close at at the end of the year. And by the way, um, why does it matter? Why does the the, uh, 12, you know, so you're not playing the game. I'm not going to play the game. What's the point? Because my timeline isn't the end of the year. I don't need the money by the end of the year. I need the money for the rest of my life. So this reminds me in, um, what year was this? Maybe it was like 1998. It was before the, this was a long time ago, right? I wrote, I wrote a a weekly column for the Sacramento Bee for like nine years. Uh, Sacramento Bee is the major newspaper in the Sacramento region. And was much more major back then. <laughs> That's correct. I used to subscribe. Um, but uh, they had a, a, a stock picking contest where they picked four different professionals and they asked me if I wanted to participate. And I remember thinking, oh, gosh, I don't want to. But I, all right, I might as well play along. If they say good, there's no such thing as bad PR. I, I'll, <laughs> I'll play along with the game. I knew it was total luck. Total luck. And so... Pick four different, I think four or five stocks or whatever. And in the third quarter, they had like a, the front page of the business uh, section had the photos of us. I was the, in the leaderboard, right? Well, by the fourth quarter that came around, I wasn't, I don't know if I was second or third. I forget how I finished the year, but I wasn't number one. But just the way things, because it's a crapshoot, but the way things worked because they had that big spread <laughs> when I was, I had people for years later tell me how I won the stock picking contest. By the way, you, we believe in broadly diversified portfolios. So anyone I've ever met that just has four or five stocks in their portfolio, I think you're out of your mind. Yeah. And I, even these kind of stock games with, with kids in high school or college, I don't quite. I, I explained that when my, uh, my boys were doing it in their school, they had this and they asked me what I thought. And I said, well, first, I'm going to share two things. One is it's make believe because your emotional reaction to a piece of paper (laughs) is going to be much different than your emotional reaction to your own money. Yeah. Which is your stored labor, which is stored labor. In fact, uh, we have on our next week's uh, program, we have a behavior psychologist that's going to talk about how people um, respond to their money. Um, Anyway, but um, the markets, it's back yeah, to back this to NASDAQ. Market. It's uh, even the broad markets, uh, you know, VTI. Oh, which is gosh. The total markets, you know, it's crazy. It's, it's, maybe um, it's, 
I mean, there's still, a, while we have some headwinds, there's still a lot of tailwind. And apparently we didn't have a recession the first half of the year because I guess the definition's been changed. Okay. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, unemployment's still very low. Yeah. Gas- Maybe inflation will... Well, gas, is, gas prices come down dramatically. They've come down. Yeah. I worry a little bit about stimulus programs that the government keeps rolling No, you're out. kidding. They just pa- they they're this this inflation uh, reduction act, <laughs> which is what? Wait, the problem is too much money supply now. So to fix inflation, we're just going to put out. It is more a little money. disingenuous, and it happens on both sides where they have bills that they put a name that has nothing to do. Yeah, and and I don't care how anyone feels about green energy or not green energy. This is the government picking winners and losers in industries at this point in time by subsidizing, right? And I get a – quite frankly, I get a kick out of Elon Musk criticizing the as government. As crazy as he is. Yeah, I get a kick out of him yeah. criticizing the government and every almost every business he has has got huge government support. Yeah, yeah. And I think – That's well, how he's gotten government support. He's just playing the game right now. He's just – he's people caught on to it. I mean the other – other automobile industry, like, what the heck's going on? Well, yeah, we need to the get The woman who runs that. GM says, I'm going to get a piece of this action and see if I can't get cut him out of it. Good that's point. kind of what happened. Good point. Same game, that's all. He was just the first Good point. Well, anyway, just, just, remember, just remember, a well-diversified portfolio is going to go through ups and downs, and there will be lows and there will be highs, but what you're interested in is the long-term averages. Long-term averages. In fact, and if you if you found yourself making some, you made some choices four six weeks ago. Now you're scratching your head, like, uh oh, did I get out at the wrong time? It's, yep. I mean, it's hard, and that goes back to your emotional reaction to the money. Yeah, I mean, look at yourself in the mirror and be honest. The, The best thing you could do is be honest with yourself on where your strengths. And your where your weaknesses lie when it comes to your investing, yeah. Because it, it's not easy. It is look. It is not easy getting high return. Do you look at the studies of how individual investors do versus the broad market? They're always way down, and it's it it's because it's not easy. It's not it's not that it's very difficult to pick the winners and losers. The challenge is it's it's the difficulty of staying in when it's doesn't feel right, when it's scary, when you feel like there's risk when you worry. You you translate that into how it's going to impact your life, which it could, but, and then you make decisions, oftentimes that, that are irrevocable. Yeah. So anyway, we love taking calls. If you want to be part of our program, you've got a question maybe about your own how things are structured or how they should be structured going forward, or a financial planning related issue. You think you're ready? Wonder if you're ready for retirement, or you've been retired, looking about going back in the workplace, or Social Security, or state planning. Retirement accounts, 401ks, IRAs, anything financially related. We love taking your calls and questions. Uh, and to be part of the program, simply call 833-99-WORTH. We'll schedule a time that's convenient for both of us, all of us, to um, uh, take your call. 833-99-WORTH. Uh, we'll get you um, there. And let's go to the calls. We're starting out here with Pete. Pete, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hello, guys. Uh I have a question. Is it appropriate to ask an advisor what he or she owns in their private uh, account? In their <laughs> so, in their their personal account. Um, yes, sir. Yeah. So it 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 may be. Uh, it may it's be. It's funny. I was going to answer absolutely. So I would like to hear your answer. Well, look. If your advisor is forty and you're sixty-five, it's not appropriate. I think no. I would disagree with that because it's appropriate to know at least if you find out your forty-year-old advisor is uh, in cash in his four hundred one k because he believes that the markets are going to tank. That's some good information to know. Okay, I'll give you that. But if your advisor is forty and has a uh, an allocation hundred percent in equities, in equities, and they're recommending a equity position of sixty forty to you because your time frame is different. Um, yeah, why do you, why do you, uh, what, what, what's driving you to this question, Pete? Well, it's kind of like when I go and, and vote in a voting booth, I pick candidates that have the same views as me. Yeah. All right. Well, then I think, so I, because when I, 
I, I remember when I was, uh, how old was I when I started in this industry? I was, this was, this was like two years when out of 25? college. Five. And I remember that his name was Keith. I'm not going to live his last name. And there was invest, this investment. Um, he was retiring, and uh, there was this investment. The minimum was $100,000 to to be into this. And he asked me, so, Scott, are you invested in this? The same question, yeah. Are you invested in this? And I said, well, to be very transparent, Keith, I don't have $100,000 yet. So <laughs> right? I was 26 or whatever. I didn't have any money. Uh, yeah. Uh, Kind of broken um, at at that time, but 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 no, it's not it's not an inappropriate question. I think the bigger thing is to get an understanding of their investment philosophies, um, what they typically recommend to other clients. That gives you a good idea of their their viewpoint. But but it's not it's not an inappropriate, no. right? Uh, so um, uh, um, the a bulk of my own portfolio is managed by Allworth, right? It's managed by our investment team, um, and I am not involved in the day-to-day decision-making of that portfolio. The team is, yeah. the investment Nor team. Nor would you want to be. Nor would I want to yeah. be. And then there is a portion of my portfolio that I invest individually, but it isn't the bulk of it. Um, and so when— And it's probably—frankly, it's probably those areas where you're— you're willing for that to go to zero. That's much more speculative type things. And it's where I am in my station in life. But, uh, you know, when I was younger, I'm 59 now, but when I was 40, I would say to my clients, this is what I have my parents in. This is what I have my aunt in. This is, um, right? Yeah. Which would, which is a comparison that someone that, you know, I love dearly, who's part of my family, and this is how I treat their investments, I should treat my clients' investments exactly the same, right? And that, and I would use that analogy because the clients were about the same age as my aunt and, or aunt, depending upon what part of the country <laughs> you're from, uh, and my parents. So I, I would absolutely, I wouldn't shy away from the question. Okay. You, you, no, no, I think, no, and I'll, I I'll, I'll, add, I'll add to that one more thing. So I have clients that are in their mid, late 70s, early 80s, and they they know that they're going to leave a bulk of their estate behind for their children, and their children are the same age as I am. And so our investment portfolio for them is exactly the same as mine for their children because their children are exactly the same age as me, and... I said to the client, how about if I just manage the money the same way I manage it for myself, for you, for your children, because they're in a similar station in life. And we're going to manage your money for your retirement a little bit different. And we keep them in two separate accounts so that you can actually tell the difference between the investment portfolios. That helped, Pete? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I was just curious. Yeah, I was just curious if it was appropriate, and it sounds like yes. Oh, I, I would so, yeah. I, listen. I there. I don't think there is an inappropriate question that um, you can ask your advisor. I think that eh, maybe religion, <laughs> <and> sex. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tell me about your first sexual experience. <laughs> That's probably inappropriate. Yeah, but but anything surrounding money, um, I don't think it's inappropriate. I I just don't. I I I I'd be. Comfortable asking, answering any well, question. Think about all the questions you've had over the years. Yeah, all kinds of stuff, and I, I, I enjoy it. I mean, what I appreciate the copy. One of one of our core values as an organization is transparency. We have honesty and transparency. We have six pillars. Those are two of them: transparency and honesty. And it's um, so I, I think it's it's fine. But it's what is interesting well, and simplicity yeah, and yeah. education, uh, right? Which but, is let's not make things too complicated. And let's make it so that the investor can understand actually what's happening. But a with their good money. advisor is not one that's going to say, "This is what I'm doing for me, so therefore this is what I should do for you." A good advisor is one who understands what it is you're trying to accomplish, helps put together a financial plan around that, and an investment plan to meet those those financial objectives in one's life. And they're different for everybody, and. I think one of the benefits of doing this a long time, you've encountered enough people over the years. Like I think back, I'm going to picture these two, two clients, both retirement and age, both multimillion dollar portfolios. One says, Scott, why should I take any risk? What's the point? 
I've got plenty of money. If I earn nothing, even if I assume inflation, I've got plenty of money to maintain my standard of living. To me, he says, to me, it makes zero sense for me to take any risk. Perfect. I said, we talk about the pros and cons there? I said, great. We build a portfolio uh, for him that matches his objective. I think of another one. I picture the person in my mind, similar size account. Scott, I've got way more money than I need. Why would I want to be conservative? Why don't I invest these dollars for long term for growth and it's going to be that much more money to my kids and my grandkids perfect perfect so <laughs> that one's very aggressive so very neither one of those would necessarily be how i would invest for myself but your job is to invest for the clients i believe that's what it is so let's um we're now in pennsylvania talking with mary mary you're with allworth's money matters hi um hi, i own a small business Hello. I own a small business, and I'm wondering what is the best way to um, kind of, like, I'm trying to get rid of the credit card that I have, like, my step, my um, overhead on. Like, the interest rate is, you know, astronomical, and I'm trying to think, like, figure out what is the best way to be able to buy stuff for my business and not have, like, a crazy high interest rate until I can pay that off. Does that make sense? Yes. And how much money do you have on credit cards now? Um, it's like 7,000. And how much money do you think you're going to need to put into the business in the future? Um, I'd say probably another 15,000. And do you have, um, tell me about your financial situation outside of your business. Well, let me ask this question. Is the business making any money? Not yet. This is in my first, I'm in my first year. And how old are you, Mary? Uh, 36. Is the business have any revenues? Uh, yes, but it's it's small right now because, I mean, I'm just starting out and it's small. But, yeah, I'd probably make, I don't know, maybe $500 a month. And how are you providing food on the table and a roof over your head in this time? Uh, my husband works. So this okay. is kind of a side hobby. Okay. And tell us about the rest of your financial situation. Do you own a home? Yes, we just moved and we just purchased another home. So now we are currently starting to pay off that mortgage. So um, there's not much extra wiggle room. Okay. And do you have any money in 401ks or IRAs? Um, I do not know that, actually. So the ch- here's the challenge. You've, the challenge you've got is you've got a, a new business, which I think is great. Right? You're 36 if you were... 66, I would be concerned, like, so if, I mean, I look at this like, the what's the worst thing that happens, right? Worst things that happens, Mary gets, ends up with 20 grand in credit card debt, the business doesn't work out, they have to figure out how to pay it off, you're 36, you'll figure it out, right? Like, and if it works out, now you might have a nice little business for yourself. So, I don't know anything about the business, I don't know anything about you, but assuming it's a somewhat decent idea, and you're somewhat good at it. I, I think it's – I'm pro-entrepreneurship and people trying things. Uh, oh. But the challenge you've got is you've got a brand-new business with no track record. You've got very little revenue. So – You're using your personal credit. Who would want to loan you any money? The right. credit card companies don't know what you're doing with the money. Or, right. right. Are you taking cash advances or you're buying product with these credit cards? I'm buying product with it. And how high, are, how high is the interest rate? Um, I think it's like 12% or a little bit more than that, maybe 14. That's, that's, that's actually not that, not that bad for a startup. I mean, if you think about the cost of capital. There's, there's, there's publicly traded companies that you would recognize the name of that pay 12% interest rate. Yeah, because the, the uh-huh, situation okay. they're in. Not it's not common, but it's that would consider some of the junk bonds that are out there. Yeah, um, your cost I mean, of capital is that high. The only place one is you can look at an SBA loan, but, but you're not gonna. They're not gonna too, lend, too yeah, small. Too right? small. They're not gonna. There's no one that's gonna actually do it. Uh, the second right. the, the second thing is looking at tapping some home equity, but it doesn't sound like you have any because you just moved into a new home. Is there any equity in the Where house? We did have home equity, and then we transferred it over and like cut that off and get, went to a straight mortgage. So, um, as far as equity, I don't think what's, I could get something like that. What's the value of the home? 
Um, oh, it's over five hundred thousand. What do you owe on it? Um, uh, like two sixty-five. Oh, easy. This is easy. Just go get a home equity line of credit and just use that. Okay. That's, that's what I would do. That's, I did not expect that answer. No, I didn't either. <laughs> I did not expect <laughs> I that answer. I thought you were going to say we owe 480 Yeah, no, correct. Correct. Go, no, go. no, we sold our other house, though. Okay, go get, just go down to the bank tomorrow, today, get, uh, ask for a $50,000 home equity line of credit, pay those credit cards out. Your interest rate on that should be... Five or six, six or something. Maybe, I haven't looked at it Maybe, lately, maybe seven. Um, it's an okay. adjustable rate mortgage. Uh, you pay it off just like you would pay your credit cards off, but the, the, the payments won't be as large as on your credit card. Um, easy. Okay. Easy, yeah. easy. And 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 ask for 50000 but don't use it all. Pay the credit and, cards off <clears throat> immediately. One thing I think is okay. important, Mary, is for you and your husband to really be honest and say, how far in the hole are we going to go before we throw in the towel? Yes, Right. 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 So, and maybe you and your husband sit down and say, maybe it's not 50, maybe it's 30 and at 30 we're done. Right. If I can't make this thing work with a capital expense of $30,000, then I'm out. Um, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, that's easy. It is not the answer I expected that you'd have that much home equity, but good for you. At 36, you're doing great. Yep. Congrats. Go for it. Yeah. And by the way, it may be (laughs) tax deductible and the credit cards are not. Oh, yeah, because it's a business oh. expense. Yeah, I guess you could uh, right. uh, you could tax deduct the credit cards as well. I was just thinking about the home equity. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Well, the home it's, equity is no longer right, deductible think- in and of itself, but if you if it's used for a business expense, I think unless there's some caveat that says home equity, but it, it's not. It's not. It's not relevant. It's it's insensitive. Yeah, easy, okay. easy, easy. All right. Thank you so thanks. much for your time. All right. All right thanks for good. listening to our podcast. Yes, and uh, do us a favor if you could go on to the website and give us a, a review. review yes. Hopefully positive. Um, <laughs> our marketing people keep telling us you've got to remind them to review the podcast yes, because the a, higher the rankings, apparently, the as he says, is. we're going to hit the tipping point sometime. Okay. <laughs> We've only been doing this 27 years. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> we're going to get to be patient. We're going we're gonna to get known. So as after we talked with Mary, I just was thinking like I, I recall this couple. Um, she was a client, remarried, and he had a new. Re- I'm not going to tell you say the kind of business because I don't want anyone. It was a new retail shop in a new area of town, like a new subdivision type thing in a new strip mall or whatever. Um, and he was kept like. Drawing into his cash, and I remember I'd sit down with them and need another fifty thousand, another forty thousand. Like, but he's retired. Or he's later. He was retirement age, had retired, took had some money saved for retirement. He was I don't know late fifties or sixty or somewhere in there. As she was she, and over a two year period, I watched him dwindle his account down, just about nothing, and then finally close the doors on the business. And I had a conversation with him several times, like. Hey, you need to have a line. You're not 30. That's ex- we can't spend all these retirement dollars. You can't make this up. You do not have the time frame to make this up. Right? I don't care if it's your life dream. <laughs> like, what's the cost at this point? Um, and he did it. And you see that often, though, with people at yeah. retirement time. They buy franchises of thinking they're going to make... In this conversation, a friend of mine, 28 years old, had some money in an IRA. He calls me. He says, look, Pat, I'm starting this restaurant. I got $20,000 in my IRA. I, you're the third financial advisor I've talked to, and they've all told me I should not use that money in the IRA because of the taxes and the penalties. And I said, oh, I'd use it in a minute. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's in his 20s? Yeah, he's in his early 20s, uh, no, mid-20s. And I think he's 27, 28. And I said, by the way, look, we were in our mid 20s when we started. That's right. Uh, my our point, advisory business. My point to him was I had, I used credit cards to help buy some marketing. I didn't, I had credit card debt when we started the business. It probably took me another year to get out of my credit card. My point to him was, look, and I'm a financial advisor for crying out loud. My point to him was, look, you're not going to pay any taxes because you're not going to make any money in the first year. So forget that. You got a 10% uh, in state penalty, 12.5%, relatively low cost of capital. And his restaurant today, right? This is 30 years later, highly successful, unbelievably successful. And he actually, 
he reminds me. He said, that was some pretty good advice. I'm like, well, what would you have to lose? Your best investment is in your career or your business. Most people come into wealth not by luck. It's through becoming ex- excellent at something or having a business. Yeah. But remember, age does matter. In your 20s, it's one thing. In your 50s, do not. Those dollars are sacred dollars. So uh, we're up against a clock. we got to take a quick break. Again, uh, if you want to be part of our program, I'd love to take your call. 833-99-WORTH is the number. This is All Worth's Money Matters. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. We're back with Allworth's Money Matters, Scott Hansen. Pat McLean. You know, there are times that... Um, I really love the profession I'm in. <laughs> there you? are times I'm like, why am I doing this? Because it's a really, can be a really challenging um, industry. And there's times that I just love it. And I think what I love about it, it's the, I, it's the human nature um, factor that is the most fascinating about it. It's not necessarily the financial markets, which, but they're driven by. They drive a lot of behavior. human nature. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a fascinating thing. Money is a funny thing. And those are the times you feel good about it. <laughs> Tell us about when you feel like you don't like it. <laughs> it is, it, it is. It, it, you develop um, deep relations with lots of people. I remember. Uh, but, but, but are they, they're, they're, they're kind of deep. It's not like you're going to their kids, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, although I shouldn't say that. I've gone to clients' children's wedding, but th- those were clients that turned into friendships over time. But yeah, it is, um, yeah, it's mostly rewarding. I remember uh, years ago when I was early in the business and someone had been in the business a long time, he says, what I like about the business is it's a very humbling business. He says, there's nothing like losing a client's money and facing the client. The, the feeling that you have... When a client entrusts their portfolio and it falls in value and they're panicked and you've got to steer them through that, he says, that's a humbling experience. I would add to that temporarily losing clients money because it gets easier if you've done a long time because you, when you're young, it's, it's all, it's all history and it's textbook and it's knowledge is not wisdom. As when you've done it a while, you've lived through those seasons, you know that the things come back, you know that their plans you put in place work. It, it's not... Good point. It's not nearly as nerve-wracking. Yeah. Their temporary declines are not loss of money. How you, be, how you turn a temporary decline into a permanent loss of money is selling at the wrong times. So uh, is my son, uh, who uh, my third child works for a private equity firm in Los Angeles, and he calls it, when you hit print... And I said, what does that mean? Is that a term in the private equity industry? Or I don't know if it is or not, but he says, when you hit print. And I said, what does that mean? He said, when you close out the trade. When you close out the trade. Oh. I'm like, okay. They still print them? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't think they print papers. I've been doing this. 30, Can you file this? Uh, <laughs> I've been doing this 30, you know, 30 plus, plus years. And Never my 24-year-old uh, son gives me I've a heard term. things like drop a ticket and stuff like that. But <laughs> Yeah, but I thought it was interesting. So I've been doing this for, I don't know, 35, 36 years. And my 24-year-old son's like, Dad, when you hit print. I'm like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. He looks at me like I'm crazy. Like, what do you mean you don't know what? When you hit print means. <laughs> what kind of idiot father do I have? <laughs> I, thought you were, I thought he was in it. Now it's confirmed. My son, uh, I was in Santa Monica a week ago Saturday, and he finished his cross-country bike ride. We've talked about this. Yeah. How, how did it go? They finished. They were all, they, they all jumped in the ocean together. And Where did it start? Savannah, Georgia. Six weeks later, they finished in Santa Monica, California. And this was how many children? There were nine kids, two young adult leaders, he and this other young woman. Wow. Yeah. Do you, uh, so I, think, well, I said that they had like 82 flats or something like that. <laughs> you can imagine. <laughs> there's 11 bikes. Did, uh, do you think he's changed? 
Have you spent enough time with him to realize I wrote him? a thumb. You know, it's funny. Well, here's how one thing he changed. So he's home for a couple of days, and then he's he got home a couple of days ago. He's going to leave another day or two. So he wanted to ride this morning with me. And I said, well, I've got an 8 o'clock commitment I need to be on, so we'll have to go at like 5.45. So that sounds good to me. And I'm thinking... My son, <laughs> right? you're like, where's Blake? <laughs> I've never known you to get want to be up early. He was up early, all ready to go. Is he a good rider? Uh, after did, six weeks, I know. Did he drop you? He very much could have. He was being kind. We were rode for a couple hours. We're close to the house, and he says, "Hey, why don't we sp- let's sprint it in the last few miles here?" And I'm like, oh, "I'll try. I'll try." And, and by, by the way, Scott, how old are you? 50, 55. And Scott is, you know, if you're a new listener, Scott is Mr. Adventure, right? Does these. I hiked know, 36 miles on Monday. Right. In the in the Sierras. <laughs> right, no, rides no. these bike rides where you go 24 hours without sleeping. Did the, uh, what's that, where you run for 100 miles Western in the mountain. Western States 100. Yeah. It's just crazy stuff. And then your, your son kicks your butt. That's good to watch. Yeah. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> is that right? Anyway, all right. Let's. Well, I'm glad he got back safe. <laughs> yeah. And on to the next adventure. On to the next. Hey, uh, hey. Before we go back to the calls, we, we've asked uh, one of our advisors to join us, Adam Peters, and uh, Adam works out of our Denver office. One of our certified financial planners. And uh, Adam, welcome to All Worth Money Matters. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And how long have you? Just out of curiosity, how long have you been a practicing advisor? How long have you been? Uh, this is my twenty third year okay, in this times. great industry. And how long have you been with us? <laughs> a little over eight. Perfect. Wow, that's Thank a long you. time. Yeah, sounds like about. <laughs> it seems much longer. No, I'm sorry, <laughs> just kidding. <yeah. laughs> eight wonderful years. We'd all agree. <laughs> um, so, hey, you, the reason we're having you on is you're doing. You're one of our presenters for a Social Security workshop coming up. Uh, why don't you tell us about why, as a financial advisor of twenty plus years? why you think this is such an important factor for people who've saved well? You know, I I think it's an important issue. One reason just being, you know, people rarely invest or pay into something for 40 plus years. You know, from the time a person's working career begins, you know, in their early to mid 20s, usually till the time they start Social Security, which is no earlier than 62. I mean, they've paid into it for over four decades. So they want to see really how those dollars have been saved for them and how that's going to work for them for the next couple of decades. I think it's in part a legacy mindset, though. They, they've seen Social Security provide for their loved ones, namely grandparents and parents. So you know, people want to envision how it's going to carry over for them when they start collecting. And now a lot of times, you know, those grandparents or parents also had a pension to rely on, which may be different for those entering retirement nowadays, but they still could kind of try and envision how that's going to help them and their family. Um, I think a real big reason, though, why it's so important, though, is people know a little about how Social Security works, but not all the details. And they know that it's not looking great for the future, but they don't know what that means. Right. And I don't I don't know if any of us have read an article on Social Security in the last 10 years that's really painted a rosy picture for the future. <laughs> all so, the surplus funds. Yeah. Um, all that extra money. So we know it's not broke yet. My, there's still money in the Social Security trust, but it is a broken system, meaning it's going to have to change or need changes over time to keep it going. And so you know, I was reading oh, a, a couple months ago that. The average person that applies for Social Security will do it as soon as possible, which is if they're not working age 62, and if they are working as soon as they're and eligible. These are oftentimes people that don't have a lot in the other, other savings. Right? right. And and I think to myself, well, this makes no sense because how you apply for Social Security for both you and your spouse based upon your health, your life expectancy um, – makes a significant difference in what we would call the net present value of this flow of dollars, right? Right. It, 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 and I read the statistic and I thought, this is just uninformed. And by the way, you're not going to get any of the information from the Social Security about the best way for you to file for Social Security. They're just going to tell you how much you're going to get. Well, you can get some, some frequently asked questions and you can get the facts, 
But I think, Adam, you'd agree. I mean, the important thing is that you make these decisions in conjunction with your rest of your financial plan. And you've got a 401k, an IRA, a Roth, you're... <laughs> Maybe you want to yeah, look at converting absolutely. to Roth. Think, and- you know, there, there, there's misconceptions. And Social Security, as we know, is it's a massive system. There's a lot of different ways of claiming strategies or starting benefits. But, you know, many people, and I've heard this from clients throughout the years, they've heard from so-and-so that, hey, I heard you're supposed to start at 70, or I heard you're supposed to start at 62, but they haven't really taken it beyond that. They don't know how Social Social Security works. They don't know the options. They haven't really taken the time to learn what's from a reliable source, like what are the options that are going to be best for them. Uh, And it can't just be kind of a a blanket answer, right? I think, you know, if it was all the questions that come up at, uh, you know, Social Security workshops or in client meetings, by far the number one question I get is when should I start Social Security? Right? But it's usually asked trying to find some sort of magic age that works for everyone, right? Yeah. Like full retirement age um, or some arbitrary age. That, that's really what they're looking for. But that's also similar to when people come to me and show a statement of their investments and say, can I retire? And I tell those people, you know, just based on that limited info, I have no clue if you can retire because I'm not sure what you're spending. I'm not sure what you're family situation is and and all of those. So there's no really one magic age for Social Security, just like there's no one magic number that everyone needs to meet for retirement to be comfortable. It does require a deeper dive into what's right for you, your family, what you're spending, all of those circumstances. And I just don't think people have taken that uh, those steps to figure out what's best for them. And when you say take the steps, and I know the answer to this, tell tell the, the, the listeners a little bit how the our software works in order to determine what the best time to take Social Security is. You know, in, in short, a lot of numbers are going to be uh, run through, and we do this for, for folks that work with us. So there's all these different times, you know, let's say a, a couple could begin Social Security benefits, and you look at that and figure out, well, what does the math say to do? And the math, a lot of times when you run all those figures, would show if you're healthy, if you have every reason to believe you're going to have a normal or long life expectancy, you might want to wait sure. to take Social Security. But I think a lot of people just stop there. So the numbers and running it, we do that quite well. We do that with all clients, but that can't just be the only thing you look at. If you're wanting to wait to take Social Security, we also need to see how much have you saved up, how much of your own money are you going to spend to wait to flip on Social Security at a later time. And I, I think a big driver for those that have been great savers, right? And we have a lot of clients who have been great savers. They've done well to put money away. You know, the the third thing they have to weigh with that decision is what is the legislative risk, right? What is Congress going to do to change this before I begin? Um, And for those that have been great savers, it is a valid concern that Social Security could lessen or possibly even eliminate some of the benefits for really good savers because, you know, Congress or Social Security Administration feels that they've done a good enough job saving to provide their own means for retirement. Yeah. So you really need to, to weigh all of those. Uh, and that that's where this kind of workshop is beginning to help answer those questions. Well, good. And I think, I mean, one of the things that we believe is that the better one is educated, the better decisions they're going to make. Right. So that's why we do these workshops. And it's like, we've done leading up into, into COVID. I think we had 10,000 people register for workshops that year, live in-person workshops and COVID shut everything down. Most people are out living their lives. If you've gone out to dinner or to a shopping mall, if you've been in an airport, you'll realize most people are out living their lives. If you're out living your lives and you'd like to attend in person, I think it's a great way to do it. And Adam Peter's going to be 
doing the workshop in Denver. We've got other. Uh, so, Adam, I appreciate you appreciate taking some time. Thank, and thanks, we've got Adam. Yeah. By, by the way, Adam, you, I don't know if anyone's ever told you, you sound a bit like Adam Carolla on the radio, but um, and he looks. Uh, I have heard that from twelve random people, so it must be true because none of them know one another. So <laughs> okay, because as I'm listening, I to you, I'm hear thinking, that and I look like Ferris Bueller. So uh, <laughs> I guess I'm typecast for that. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Adam. So if you want to see Ferris Bueller and hear Adam Carolla, uh, so our, our workshops. This workshop is five steps to managing your social security. We've got him in Sacramento, Northern California, Sacramento region, August 24th, 25th, and 27th. In the Cincinnati region, August 25th and 27th. And in the Denver region, August 25th and 27th. And where you'll get to uh, listen to Adam. There are different parts of the city. Um, and it's really, it's, there's no cost for the workshop, but it's really designed for people who have saved uh, 500,000 or more, somewhere in that for, and, and are within five years of retirement. And by the way, at least coming up in pre-COVID, <laughs> it was our most popular workshop and would often like fill up, so space is limited. And uh, if you would like to learn more or to reserve a seat, allworthfinancial.com forward slash workshop. Again, allworthfinancial.com forward slash workshop. Or you can call 855-918-2181. And if you're listening and thinking, what do I, like, I'm, I'm not even close to those cities. We still have online um, resources and um, uh, on these things as well. So anyways. Allworthfinancial.com. And let's go back to the phone. Hey, really quick before we go back, we're gonna about to talk to um, Earl here, but um, we've got a, a session where we're coming in the studio for a couple hours next week, Thursday, August 18th. We'll be sitting in the studio for two hours doing nothing but taking phone calls. So you're not going to have not gonna, none of this banter back and forth or chit-chat about how much we like our kids or that sort of thing. We're just like our kids at the moment. Uh, so it's just going to be taking some calls. So that's this Thursday from uh, Thursday the 18th from 3 to 5 Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific. Okay? This Thursday, 3 to 5 Eastern, Noon to two Pacific. I could probably go into mountain time and all, but figure you'll figure it out. <laughs> you'll figure it out. Um, and if you don't, if you can't figure it out, just pull out your iPhone and just look to see what it? time it is. In it's there. at twelve to two Pacific where we broadcast. Uh, and to uh, you want what the number you want to call at that time is eight three three ninety nine worth. Again, eight three three ninety nine worth this Thursday. So, all right, uh, we're in Colorado talking with Earl. Earl, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hey Scott and Pat, how you doing? Hi Earl. Hey, good to good to talk to you. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, sure. what can we do hey, for you? Hey, listen, my wife and I have uh, over a hundred uh, life insurance with a hundred thousand um, on each of us, and that's that's a hundred thousand dollars on each of us. Okay, uh huh. And that, that's just a straight, just straight burial. But um, we're considering switching to a. Um, um, a life insurance policy, IUL, with a uh, long-term care rider. Okay. Put a hundred thousand on both of us, which would um, basically give us two and a half years. I guess if one of us got uh, ill, which would be like four percent per month. If it, that's that's um, interim care. Okay. But, uh, if we're in a house, I think it'd be like three thousand or a little less. But I'm just wondering. Um, because it's like a $140 difference in, in either. Is that a good place to put money? Because I'm going to retire in January of, um, of 2024. Okay. And so if I'm going to put in an extra $140 for the long-term care rider, would that be a good place also to uh, put savings or uh, it, it 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 may be it may be these 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 policies with the long term care writers. There's a hundred. I think through this, it's like uh, the insurance industry is so frustrating, and the particularly life and dis and the and uh, annuities and stuff. Because there are some really good products out there. There are actually some excellent universal life policies that are designed to pay for long-term care. And because of the way the policies work and some of the tax benefits, it's a pretty dang good way to buy it. My challenge with it is the way the insurance company sells it and the conflicts that exist between a producer, a sale insurance salesperson, and a buyer of the product. Because the salesperson has a financial incentive to sell the most expensive, the one that's going to pay the greatest amount of commission. 
right? That's what they're right. incentivized doesn't mean to do. that they're going to do that, but that's what they're incentivized to do. That's what their economics say. That's right. And so sometimes I see, and there, some of these policies can be quite flexible in the way they're structured. And sometimes I see these policies and I'm like, ah, this thing was designed for a high commission, not designed for what's in the best interest. Of and it. there's a hundred different flavors of these life insurance policies with the long-term care writers on them. So what's the rest of your financial situation? How much money and do if you- I, by the way, if I were to buy any, uh, long, any policy like this, I'd buy it from a certified financial planner. They have a fiduciary duty that can lose their CFP designation. If they don't, um, put the client's interest first at all times when they're, when they're recommending a product like this. So, um, at least one. So what's the rest of your financial situation? Is your home paid for? Oh, uh, no, it's not. I have a, uh, we've got like, um, 400 left in our home. How much? 400,000. <laughs> what's the value of the home? 800. And how much money do you have in savings? In savings, um, we've got like, uh, 138,000. How about your retirement accounts? Uh, How are you gonna, so you say you're retiring next year. What we hear, first of all, is you have a $400,000 mortgage. So where's your retirement right. income coming from when you, when you retire? Right. My retirement income is coming from attention. And how much? Be like uh, 3900 a month. And how much do you make now? Right now I make 110 And how old are you, Earl? I'm uh, 61. So you make thirty nine hundred dollars a month. You owe, and you're making one hundred and two now, and you've got one hundred and thirty eight in the bank. And how much do you have in IRAs or four hundred one ks? Right, in forty one k, four hundred one k. I got eighty three thousand. Uh, stock, I got thirty seven thousand, and um, in a brokerage fund, I got eighteen thousand. That's, I, that's I, what look, I have. Yeah. I'm gonna. Uh, I, look, you called me and asked me about long term care. That is. Right. You asked my opinion. That is the least uh-huh. of your your concerns. That is a that would be on a list of ten to me number ten eleven or twelve. I question whether you have the ability to retire and stay in that house. Right, right. Well, my my wife has was a teacher, so she has a pension also. So what I was also thinking <laughs> is I understand that because um, I started saving kind of late. And investing sort of late. I'm, I'm listening to your show. I'm like, boy, I'm way behind. The well, you got a pension. No, you, uh, look, you've got a pension of almost, f- almost fifty grand a year. That's that's equivalent to right. a lot of money. That's saved. a lot of money. <laughs> well, yeah, it'll be. Uh, well, actually, fifty three with the, with my wife included. How, and, and what's uh, your your family income now? You make is it a hundred and two between you and your wife, or you're a hundred and two? I'm a hundred and ten, and she's um. Uh, Eighteen hundred a month, which is twenty grand. What, twenty grand, yeah. Um, and do you both? Are you both going to get Social Security? Right, right. And that was another one of my questions. Yeah, it seems like at this point, if I was to retire as early, I would have to take it like at sixty-two. Yeah. Uh, I mean, here's at first blush, Earl. Just look at your situation. Like, if you can, if you can. Re- Defer retirement, even a few years, get that pension larger, have Social Security larger. And by the way, pensions have a tendency to accumulate a lot more later in the cycle, significantly more than early in the cycle. And you're late in the cycle. You work for the government? No, no, no. I work for UPS. Okay. I got to tell you, um, I question, forget this long term. Is this a job that you can continue to do with UPS, or is it a, a job that's labor-intensive? No, I can continue to do okay. it. I, I, you, you, Here's what, look, if you're my brother, Earl, I would, I would implore you to go sit down with a good financial advisor, map out everything, right? Sit, you and your wife sit down and say, okay, here's all the stuff we have. Uh, here's what we'd like retirement to look like. And they can run through a variety of scenarios. They can say, okay. Great. You retire today. Here's what your income's going to look like for the next few years. Here's what's going to look like 10 years out, 15, 20, right? Because odds are one of you can at least at least one of you are going to make it into your 90s statistically based and, on right, your age. Probably my and, wife, yeah. yeah. And the thing that scares me is this $400,000 mortgage. If you said you had no mortgage on the home, ah, easy. Right, right. And, that's, and I was considering like a reverse mortgage there. 
Uh, might be an option. It's probably a little bit over the limit. And you're a little young. And you're but a little these young. Are the, these are the kind of questions that I think you could you need to go through. I think uh, answering all those things. I think the cons- concern that we have. You suddenly say I'm retiring. Uh, there's not quite enough money to make. Like, where are we going to make up the difference? We start drawing down some of the money that we saved, which isn't a lot anyway, right? And then we get ourselves right. in positions like. Oh, crud. There's just, and we take Social Security early, which I would probably not recommend, right? You'd end up taking Social Security early. So that'll be a much lower amount. And right. then you find yourself, what if inflation continues and that $3,900 is worth like two grand or 1500 in real purchasing power? Then we're like, now, like, it's not the long pain for long term care. It's how do we even pay for life? I'm going to share a quick story. One of my own relatives came to me and said, I think I'm going to retire. What do you think? And I asked the same questions. And I said, "Eh, maybe you need to go get a financial plan done. My own relative. I offered to pay for it. I offered to pay for it. Uh, Because even in my own firm, we don't give this stuff away for free. So I will pay for your financial plan because I love you and I care that much about your retirement. And I don't, I can't answer the question um, for you. Uh, you have to go through the math. So the answer on the long-term care is don't make a decision on that. Don't do anything. You need to sit down with a qualified advisor, either someone who's not selling your product, a fee-based advisor, a fee-based financial advisor, and go through a financial plan and do what if scenario. What if I work until 2025 or 2026? Or what if I actually downsized my house and got rid of the mortgage? Or what happens if I do a reverse mortgage at the age of 66? What happens then? Um, and that's the direction I would go, but I would not make a decision on the long-term no, care nope. with life insurance stuff. That is, that is insignificant right. in the big scheme of things. Well, it's a, uh, you know, I, I'm just considering it cause we're just getting ready to switch over. I understand. Don't I do anything. Switch over. Don't do anything. I wouldn't switch anything right now. Don't do anything. And whoever, unless that person you're, who's going to be trying to sell you the policy is also a fee based, which I don't think so. Financial advisor, well-equipped in these matters, I would hold off on that. You need to do the overall retirement planning first. The, the plan is so important here, particularly in this situation. Not the product. We're out of time. It's been great being with you. This has been All Worth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.